Heavenly Father, the truth this morning is, God, that all of us at some point in our lives, God, just by the fact of, of being a human, God, we have been in bondage, we've been in slavery uh, to a way of life that is um, not pleasing to you and to a way of life that basically, truthfully, leads to our destruction. But God, through your mercy and through what you've done on the cross, you've made us free. God, you've shown us a new way to live, and you said, this is for your joy. This, this will be for your best, and in that we're free. That, God, I don't have to worry about standing before a perfect God and trying to answer for the things that I've done, but instead I can say, no, 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 it's what Jesus has done for me. I'm clean, and I'm pure, and I'm righteous, not because of what I've done, but because of what you've done. That, God, we can stand here today... And not be slaves to anything anymore. Not be controlled by anything anymore. But God, be strong in you. So we love you. We thank you. Uh, Use this time. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys can be seated. Whoever preached last week didn't get their notes off of the podium. I'll have to talk to him, that jerk. All right. Um... For those of you who, who here weren't here last week, it was me. All right, calm down. All right. Um, well, I'd like to welcome you to Christ Church. Uh, my name is, is Grant Nixon, and um, you're going to have to listen to me for a little while, all right, because we have people at every exit. Um, so anyway, we have, been, um, we have been talking about, you have heard it said, but I say, Jesus in Matthew chapter 5 is talking to us, and, and, he, and he's saying, first he sets up with the Beatitudes, he says, if you want to follow me, if you want to be, uh, if you want to be a follower of Christ, if you want to belong to the kingdom of heaven, you want to be a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, then this is the type of heart you will have, this is the type of character you'll have. And then he goes out and he practically shows um, um, some ways that we've had some misconceptions. You've heard it said that this was true. But I'm telling you that this is true. Like you've heard it said that as long as you don't kill anybody, you're all right. But I'm saying, no, no, no. I want to know where your heart is. Do you hate your brother? Then that's not all right. Then there's no freedom in that. There's no true joy in that. And saying, you know, you've, you've heard it said that you can, you can divorce uh, uh, for any reason as long as you give a certificate of divorce. And he says, no, no, no. I don't want to talk about divorce. I want to talk about marriage. I want to talk about where your heart is. And so today we're going to continue talking with uh, with. Jesus here in Matthew chapter 5, um, and, and what we're talking about today is retaliation. Um, and, and so as we, as we talk about that uh, this morning, um, we live in a society of rights. Like that, that's the that's society we live in. If you read the Declaration of Independence, what does it say? And I'm sure all of you know it. It says right up here, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among them are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Everyone has rights, all right? And we live in a society of rights. Don't, don't tread on me, right? Like don't, don't infringe upon my rights. And as soon as we feel like anyone has infringed upon our rights, what do we do? retaliate, right? Like we feel, I have the right, and so it it moves us to retaliate. You know, I actually heard a story of someone on the freeway, really did this. Uh, They would keep uh, golf balls in their glove compartment. 
And when they felt that they were cut off or someone tried to run them off, they would get in front of them and they would throw them out of the sunroof, hoping that they would hit the car behind them, okay? Like, we're a people of retaliation, right? And, and the reality is all of us, um, all of us feel that way. Whenever you feel like someone's infringed on your rights, then you have to retaliate, you have to get um, even. And, and that's part of the fracture of, of, from the fall, from original sin. In Genesis 3, 16, we see one of the penalties of, uh, of the fall is this. Your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. Do you know what that means? That means that you will have conflict in relationships all the time. There will always be conflict in relationships. And that's part of the results of the fall. And so when we come up with conflict, um, we, we, when we feel like someone is trying to, to, to hone in on our rights, when we feel like someone is wronging us, we're going to retaliate. And so that's in us, okay? That's, that's innate in us, right? And, and it comes out in weird ways sometimes. I heard a story of this, this couple that just got married and they were riding off to their honeymoon on a horse and buggy and, you know, it was really romantic. And so when he started to go, the horse took off and he pulled back on the reins. He said, that's one. And then he, he kept going and the horse took off and he pulled back on the reins. He said, that's two. And then, he, and then he started to go again. The horse took off again. And he said, that's three. And he pulled out a gun and he shot the horse dead. And the wife said, what? You can't do that. And he turned to his wife and said, that's one. And so... <laughs> It comes out in us in different ways, but we live in a culture of, I'm not going to take nothing from nobody, right? You know what I mean? Like, you can't disrespect me. And look at it. Like, think about our heroes, even in our entertainment world, right? Think about our heroes. John Wayne, right? He's a great picture of that. I'm not going to take anything off anybody. Clint Eastwood. Maybe a more modern example of that. Absolutely. What about Scarface? That's a whole story, you know? Like, I'm going to get what's mine. Or Justin Bieber, even. You know, I... I don't know how that got in there, all right? Like, I don't know Tommy. But anyway, no, but like that's what our culture is, our culture of, uh, of, of get what's yours. And so in our, in our very psyche, there is retaliation um, um, in, our, in our minds. And so even um, just, just yesterday, um, if you guys know, like, I think it was Friday, um, that church in Gainesville, Florida, the uh, burned Qurans, they, did, they went through with burning of the Qurans. It's 50 people in this stupid group of people and uh and they burned the quran and then afghanis out of retaliation killed nine un workers yesterday because of these stupid hate-filled people and they did it in the name of jesus which should make you mad um so we're talking about retaliation our world is full of it not just america but all over our world is full of it and jesus addresses it here in matthew chapter 5 if you have your bibles turn to matthew chapter 5 we're gonna be in verse 38 through 42 if you don't have a bible you got a smartphone or you got an ipad or something like that you can look up uversion.com or download that app and follow along there um, it's a free app don't worry about it matthew chapter 5 verse 38 through 42 Follow along with me. You've heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the also. But if anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. So let's break this down. Look at verse 38. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth 
for a tooth. And so that was the law, okay? And that's how they lived. You know, if you wrong me, then I get to, I get revenge, right? I get to retaliate. I get to do exactly what you did to me. And it's kind of like an old West mentality. You know, if you disrespect me, then, then, you know, we're going to, we're going to fight over this, right? I'm going to have my retaliation. And we don't do gunfights anymore. I hope. All right. Like if you do, what? But no, we don't do gunfights anymore, but we retaliate in other ways. You know, maybe it's gossip about somebody. Maybe it's slander about somebody. Maybe, uh, maybe you know, in, a, in the workplace, maybe you're the boss, and so you have an abuse of power. But in some way, we try to retaliate. And, and it's an idea of fighting your own battles. And that's the culture we live in. You have to fight your own battles. Um, and, and it's kind of like, you know, little, little boys are told all the time, you know, that you have to stick up for yourself. Because if you don't stick up for yourself, who will you know and that's kind of what we we tell our sons that you know that's a manly thing stand up for yourself retaliate you know and 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 so that's the culture we live in And, and when you fight your own battles who do you trust who are you trusting when you fight your own battles you you're trusting you you're saying i'm gonna handle this i know what's best in this situation i know what needs to happen i'm gonna do this and the reality is that type of thinking is so counter to to following jesus it's so counter to what we talk about and what we read about and what christ calls us to christ calls us to absolute trusting him in everything in everything when you surrender your life to god you don't say i surrender my life to you unless someone insults you and then that's all on me no, it's, it's complete surrender, even to fight our own battles. And so we see, why don't we trust God to fight our battles? You say, like, I, I really struggle with that. Why don't you trust God to fight your battles? I think there's two things you need to remember that, that, that we forget or we don't focus on or we don't think about that causes us to, to, to feel like we need to fight our own battles. Number one, you forget God's care for you. And number two, you forget that God is justice. God is just. And so we see God's love for you. Psalm 139, 16. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. You forget in times when people disrespect you and people, um, um, they wrong you. And when you're in conflict, you forget God ordained this day. God, God knew this day was coming. He's not surprised by your circumstances. He's with you in those circumstances and he cares for you deeply in these circumstances. First John 3, 1, see what great love the Father's lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. You are a child of God. Not only does he know what's happening to you, he's not surprised, but you're his child. He loves you. How many of you would know that one of your children is in distress and sit back when you could do something about it and just say, well, you know, he'll figure it out? None of you. None of you. At the drop of a hat, you would run to save your child in distress. Why do we doubt God? Why do we doubt his love for us? We are his children. He does love us. He's aware of your circumstances. And then remember this about God. God is just. God is justice. In Genesis 18, 25, Um, This is from the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. Far be it from you to do such a thing, to put the righteous to death with the wicked, so that the righteous fares the wicked. Far be that from you. Shall not the judge of all the earth do what is just? The Lord is just. He will not allow injustice to last. And you might say, like, that's not true. I've seen injustice my whole life. Maybe you will. But the last time I checked, you don't live forever. And so God will bring an end to injustice. That's his plan through Jesus. That's what he's doing now, and that's what he will do um, when he comes back. And we see in Romans 12, 1, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, 
but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Isn't that a freeing thought? The Lord will repay. Isn't that a freeing thought? Think about it. Like when you carry around, you know, I've got to stand up for myself against that person. I've got to retaliate. I've got to get revenge on that person. I've got to make that right. That is a burden, isn't it? That is a burden carrying around on your shoulders the idea of retaliation and retribution, isn't it? And the Lord says, "Uh -uh uh-uh-uh, relax. I'll take that burden. I will repay. And we see... um, when you give him your life, um, we give him all of that baggage, even that retaliation. And you say like, so I've got to trust him to fight my battles. Yeah, well, you know, what's he going to do? You know what I mean? What, what, what can he possibly do about it? He might surprise you. I think about my wife um, when she was at Mississippi College. There was a girl in one of her programs, and she spent a lot of time with her because if you're in this major, that's just what you do. There's a little building for the interior designers, and they're in there all the time. And so anyway, the, uh, the girl that, that was in there, she was just awful to Angela, just awful, you know, and Angela would, would call me almost every night crying about this girl and what she said to her. I mean, just awful, right? And so it's taking everything in me not to go in there and be like, all right, I've, I've never hit a girl, but uh, today's the day, you know, like it just, it, she was awful. And what Angela did was she trusted God. She said, God has a purpose for me to be here. God has a purpose for me to be in this girl's life. And I'm, I'm not going to embarrass him. And so Angela just prayed for her. And, and we graduated. We left Mississippi College. You know, she thought she'd never hear from her again. And this girl contacted her this past year and said, you know, I was terrible to you. And she said, but you were so kind to me. You know, and, and God used the testimony of Angela being kind and showing her love in the face of hatred to bring this girl's heart back to Jesus. God can do it. God can fight your battles. Maybe not the way you want him to, all right? Because I'll be honest, there are times I'm driving down the road and Memphis has the worst drivers on the planet and I'm like, God, burn them, all right? Like, just do it, blow that up. That's an SUV, you could flip it. People wouldn't ask questions, okay? Like, just get them off the road. But God will fight our battles, right? And we say, well, why wouldn't he just let me fight my battles? I'm really good at it, okay? Like, I'm really good. And you're a type A personality, and I'm right there with you. I know what that's like. I've got to get this done. I've got to handle it. If I don't do it, then it's not going to be done the way I like it and all these things. And, and the reality is God hasn't just called you to trust him, but God's called you to a purpose. And this is why he doesn't let you fight your battles, because you haven't been called to fight your battles. You've been called to this. Check out the scripture. And I told you we're always going back to the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. You've been called to be a peacemaker, which implies what? Peace doesn't just happen. It's active. It has to be made. And you've been called to make it. And peace isn't just the absence of conflict, but it's the presence of righteousness. And here's what I mean by that. Um, my brother and I, when we were growing up, rarely had peace. And, you might, and I'm not saying, there, there, weren't mo- like, there were moments where we weren't hitting each other or calling each other names, all right? There were moments where he didn't throw the cordless phone at me, but 
But no, 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 that's not what I'm talking about. Peace isn't just us sitting across the room, not throwing things, because I'll tell you, we were plotting, all right? Like when it was quiet, that's not peace, all right? That's planning, okay? And so uh, what, where peace finally came was when we cared about one another, when we wanted what was best for the other person. That's righteousness. The presence of righteousness is peace, not simply the absence of conflict. And that doesn't just happen. It's a conscious action that we must take to try to make peace with people. And here's the reality. God's making peace. That's his plan. God is making peace in this world. He's already made peace for us with the Father. And now he's trying to make peace with the rest of those out there. And so check this out in Colossians 1, 19 through 20. For in him, that's Jesus, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Listen to this verse. Some of you are here today just to hear this. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. You might have come in here today thinking that I haven't been in church in years. I don't belong here. I don't look like these people. I don't like this music. I don't, I, you don't know where I was last night. You don't know what I've done with my life. You don't know how I've wronged people. There's no way me and God are okay. But maybe if I come in here, maybe if I start coming to church, maybe if I join a Sunday school, maybe if I give money, maybe if I pray more, then everything will be okay between me and God. Here's the good news. He has already made peace for you. You don't do it. He's made peace for you by the blood on the cross. He made peace for you through his son. And so today, if you came in here afraid as if you're some ant under the magnifying glass of God, no, 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 you, you don't know God then. What God has done is he sent his son for you and he made peace for you. All you have to do is accept it. He's made peace. And so God has made peace for us. If you're a believer in this room and you follow Christ, then there's peace for you with Christ and God. You're going to stand before him one day and he's not going to go, well, this is what you did okay. And this is what you did bad. No, you're going to stand before him and he's going to say, oh, you follow Jesus. Then what he did for you on the cross, it's enough. What he did for you that makes you righteous, makes you clean. There's peace for you. And so as God has made peace for you, then what is our purpose? We're to, we're to share that peace with others. That's our call. So as God has made peace for you, we've been called as a follower of Christ to carry the good news of peace. And the beautiful thing is, peace always points to God. Peace always points to God. And you say, how can I share with people about the hope of Jesus? Be a peacemaker. Be a person who promotes peace and it points to God. But here's the thing. What does retaliation do? It points right back to you. And the reality is peace brings freedom. There's a freedom in knowing that the God of the universe isn't mad at me, isn't angry with me, but instead he looks at me and I'm his child. He looks at me and he sees me as clean. There's a freedom in that. However, there's a huge bondage in retaliation, isn't there? Think about relationships where you have retaliated or they're contemplating retaliation. There's no freedom in that. There's no freedom in that whatsoever. Um, so then what he says is, he says, okay, I want you to be peacemakers. And then he goes through the, the rest of this passage that we're reading. And he says, here are some areas in which you will receive conflict with people. You will be in conflict with people in these areas. And here's how I want you to, to make peace. Here's how I want you to respond. And you might say, are you serious? Do you really think all of these will happen to me? As long as people walk this earth, we will be in conflict with people. 
all right? Because I want to I share some news with you. There are just terrible people out there, all right? I know, you're like, no, I don't, there's no way. There are, okay? As long as people walk this planet, we have different personalities, different backgrounds, different bringing, uh, uh, upbringings. We will be in conflict with people. And so Jesus says, I want you to look at some of the ways that you'll be in conflict. Check out verse 39. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil, but if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. Now look what it says. It says the one who is evil. It doesn't say do not resist the evil one. Always resist the evil one, all right? It's saying don't resist the one who is evil. What that means is someone doing wrong to you. And what is is saying don't resist? That doesn't mean just sit there and be like, do wrong to me. It doesn't mean that, all right? But what it does mean is it says don't cause friction. Don't try to get your way and make the situation worse. That's, that's what he's saying there. And uh, so look at what he says. He says, but if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. So what does that mean? Slaps you on the right cheek. What is that implying? That is, I believe, a verbal or a physical attack on you. And so he's telling us how to deal with people who attack us in that way. Have you all been attacked in that way, verbally or physically? Yes. If you haven't, just wait by the back door. I got some great ones. All right. You know, like I'll slap you on your way out and you'll be like, I've been to church. All right. So Anyway, uh, uh, we've all been there, and so um, the last time I did this, I didn't get any letters, so I'm going to do it again. Back by popular demand, let me give you some examples of some verbal assaults. <clears throat> Yo mama is so stupid, she tried to put her M&Ms in alphabetical order. That's pretty good. Yo mama is so fat that her body mass index is measured in acres. That's pretty good. Your mama is so fat, she eats wheat thicks. One of my favorite. Uh, your mama's so fat, she goes to a restaurant, looks at the menu and says, okay. And lastly, here we go. Your mama's so fat, she fell in love and broke it. All right, so sometimes we're verbally and physically abused, but sometimes it's just an attitude of disrespect. And we've all been disrespected by people at some point. And, and so in all of these ways, Jesus' answer to that is present to them the other cheek. In other words, answer them what? Kindly. Proverbs 15, verse 1 says, A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Has answering insult for insult ever ended well for you? Honestly. Has answering insult for insult ever ended well for you? Um, I'm reminded of uh, George Bernard Shaw. Uh, He telegrammed Winston Churchill just prior to the opening of uh, Major Barbara, and he said this to him. uh, I have reserved two tickets for the first night. Come and bring a friend if you have one. And so Churchill wired back, impossible to come first night. We'll come to a second night if you have one. So, uh, so anyway, has, has insult for insult ever worked for you? Has that ever really resolved a conflict? Has that ever brought peace? Absolutely not. And so he's saying make peace. And remember, peace is active. So that's something you go and do. And, and so what he's saying here is not just, not just try to make peace once someone has attacked you, but I think he's also saying go out of your way to, to serve those who even have an attitude of unrest with you. And here's what I mean by that. You guys know, all of you, I'm, I'm sure, are socially aware enough to know when there are people in this world who you rub the wrong way. 
Now look, look, I know you're all perfect, okay? Like I'm not, I'm not saying that's wrong, okay? I know obviously you're all perfect. However, there are people that for whatever reason, maybe we rubbed them the wrong way. Maybe there's some sort of unresolved conflict in our life. What he's saying is don't wait for them to verbally or physically lash out at you to say, okay, here's my time to shine. Let's make some peace. Peace is active. Go seek out those people and try to serve them and make peace in that sense. How, how in the world do you think, how much would it blow someone away if you went out of your way to go to them, to make peace with them, to serve them, to show them love, all the while they know that their attitude towards you is wrong. They know that their attitude towards you is one of hatred. How, what a great example of the love of Christ to them, to go and make peace to someone who has wronged you. Verse 40. If anyone would sue you and take your tunic, let him, take, let him have your cloak as well. Now, we can kind of wrap our heads around this because we live in a pretty litigious society, don't we? Uh, how, uh, um, I would ask you to raise your hand how many of you have been sued, but it would probably get really sad in here really quick, all right? And so uh, we live in a pretty litigious society. And so what he's saying is that, look, if someone's suing you, if someone's bringing a claim against you and they're trying to take something from you, if they try to take your tunic, give them your cloak. And here's what that is. Your, your tunic was what you wore closest to your body. That would basically, like your shirt, all right? And so basically, you know, we, uh, they're, they're suing, suing their shirt, you know, the shirt off their back. They're getting the shirt off their back. Kind of the same thing, all right? And so he's saying if they want your tunic, which would be pretty common for someone to try to, 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 try to take from you, he's saying give them your cloak. Now your cloak was your outer garment. That was your coat. That you kept, that's what kept you warm. That's, that's a big deal. That's what protected you. And, and your cloak was actually protected by law. You couldn't sue someone for your cloak. You know, so if you're sitting there and you're thinking, yeah, I'm going to trip and fall in their hut and then I'm going to sell them, I'm going to sue them for their cloak. You can't do that. All right. So I'm sorry if you're out there plotting to sue for someone's cloak. It's protected by law. And Jesus says this. He says, um, if someone, and so, so if you're in the wrong, okay, if you are in the wrong, then be generous about making it right with them. And, and don't, don't, try to, uh, don't try to defend yourself just for the purpose of holding on to your belongings. If you're not in the wrong and someone's suing you, um, still be generous to them. Be generous to them uh, in, in your love for them. And we see that... Um, uh, uh, basically what he's saying, don't hold so tightly to what you own that it prevents uh, you from making peace. Hold on to what's most important, which is knowing Christ, knowing the peace of Christ, and making that peace known. And so in 1 Corinthians 6, 7, Paul says this, talking about Christians suing Christians. He says, the very fact that you have lawsuits among you means you've been completely defeated already. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated? In, in other words, you're trying to protect your rights and what you own more than you're trying to protect the peace of Christ among you. He's saying, what's more important? Why wouldn't you rather be wronged than have your stuff for the sake of the, of the cause of Christ? And I'll give you an example of this. Um, my father had a, had a woman working for her, and, and I believe I might have told this story before, um, but she uh, stole a lot of money from him, a lot of money from him and his business. And so when, uh, when he found out, um, here's what he did. Now, now, under the law, what right does he have? Have arrested sue her, you know, try to, try to tie her up so that garnish her wages for the rest of her life. But you know what he did? He forgave her. Now she still ran, okay? Like she still ran. She still got out of, got out of Dodge. But what he, what he decided was that, you know what's more important than my stuff? More important than that 
is my witness as a believer to her. Is, is me being able to say to her, Christ cares about you. And you know how I know he cares about you? Because I care about you. He's given me a love for you. And so I forgive you for what you've done. That's huge. What do you care about more? Do you care more about the cause of Christ, the peace of Christ, or do you care about your stuff? And so what he's saying is that when people are, are trying to defraud you, when people are trying to, uh, to take from you, be generous to them. I get so embarrassed when I hear about Christians suing other Christians. I, I get so embarrassed at that. Because again, what's more important? Well, I want to get what's mine. But at, this, at what cost? At the cost of peace? That's our goal. That's our purpose. Um, and so we see, you say, well, what about my rights? Do you know what your right is as a believer in this room? I'm sorry to break this to you. Galatians 2.20 says, we've been crucified with Christ. Therefore, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. Do you know what your rights are? Nothing. Your rights are what he wants for you now. And what does he want for us? Here's, here's our only right. Here's what we exist for. 1 Peter 2.9. We exist uh, to declare the praises of the one who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's what you exist for. To declare the praises of the one who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's why we live. That's why I have a relationship with people. That's why I have a job. That's why I have a family. That's why I have neighbors. So I can declare how great God is and how great his love is. And I'm not going to let anything get in the way of that. And so many times we have to fight for our right. You know what I'm saying? Like my rights have to be protected. At what cost? The greatest cost is the cause of Christ. And we sacrifice that so often for our own rights your right is to enjoy the peace of God and spread the peace of Christ. Those are your rights. There you go. Protect those rights. So look at verse 41. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. So we see that, that um, Roman officials could force citizens uh, and most commonly would force Jews to carry their belongings. Um, so if they rolled up on somebody on the street, they're like, oh, sweet, I don't have to carry this for a mile. Hey, dude, come here, walk a mile with me. And they would stick that on them. And so this denotes someone forcing you or you being in a situation that you are not happy with. And the reality is we've all been there. Guys, if you've ever been on a date, you've been there. Okay, you know what I mean? I, I'm sure most of you guys did not choose to go see Eat, Pray, Love. I'm sure most of you guys did not choose to go see Twilight. If you did, we need to talk. All right, all right, but no, like I, we've all been there doing things we don't like and we hate that. And the reality is we, we say like, I am not a slave, right? You know what I mean? I can do whatever I want. But the reality is you are now. In Christ, we absolutely are. Christ is our master now. Paul says he was a bondservant of Christ. We just read in Galatians 2.20, I'm crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but he does. I exist for his purposes now. And what does a slave do? A slave does everything that his master wants him to. That's why a slave exists. And your master has a plan for you always. And so what we need to begin to think about, what we need to realize, what we need to trust, is that our God is sovereign. And so our God knows what's going on in our world. He's not surprised by anything. And he has a plan for you. In the middle of, of tragedy, he knew that was coming. He has a plan for you. And you say, no way. No way. There's no way. 
There's no way that he has me in this family of people who, who, uh, who speak down to me, this family of people who don't respect me. There's no way he has me here for a purpose. I'm just suffering. There's no way that God has me in this job that I hate. I hate getting, I loathe coming into this place. There's no way that God has me here. There's no way that there's a purpose here. Here's what I'm about to tell you, and this might blow your mind. Ephesians 2.10 tells us that literally from the beginning of time, before there was a before, do you get what I'm saying? Before was before, was before that. He knew where you would be and he has a plan for you there. He's placed you there. Our God's in complete control, even in situations we hate. Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. He has you where he has you so that you can do the work that only you can do in that place. And you might say, well, what? Listen, where you are in life, I can't just roll up in your family and be like, hey, let me tell you about Jesus. It won't have the same effect. God has placed you where you are with the relationships you have to share the love of Christ there. He, he, from the beginning of time, he said, you know what? You're going to get that job. I'm going to place you there. I'm going to surround you by those people you don't love so that you can show them the love of Christ. You get that? Like, there's no accidents. You don't suffer in silence and say, why am I here? I hate this place. God has a plan for you. God had this plan from the beginning of time. Uh, when I was in college, I worked for Sears. And nothing against Sears, but I sold appliances, and I had a great old time doing it. And, uh, and so, anyway, um, I hated that job. Oh, I hated it. Like, I, it was commission sales, which anyone's ever worked commission sales, it's of the devil, and, uh, and I just, I hated it. And so, and you know, they would push you to sell the protection agreements that you don't need. Let me tell you this again. You don't need them. All right. Uh, and so anyway, whatever protection agreement you're going to buy later today, you can just pay me half for that news I just gave you. But anyway, um, and I hated it. I loathed going in there. I had a manager who mocked my faith. I hated going in there. But here's the reality as I look back on it. And in that hindsight's 2020, as I look back on it, I, I can't think of another time in my life than in that two years that, that I had so many opportunities to tell people about Jesus. I, I, I can't, as I look back on it, I can't think of another time in my life where I've had an opportunity to be such a bright light of the hope of Jesus in a very hopeless place. I, I, I wouldn't have traded it for the world. And I hated it. But God had a plan for me in it. I worked with two girls who were pregnant by the time they were 16 years old. And they had no hope in their life. They were headed down a path that their parents uh, had already walked down. And it was ending in bad, bad places. And every day I worked with them, we talked about the hope of Jesus and a better way to live. Almost every customer I had, I don't know why, but it seemed like God always came up in our conversations. There were several times that I got to pray with people and share with them the love of Jesus standing next to a humming refrigerator. God had a plan for me. Every day I'm stuck in there and I'm going, God, do you not see me? Do you not see how miserable I am here? And he says, I saw you here from the beginning of time. And I have you here for a purpose. And once I started to wrap my head around that, that God has me here for a purpose in this place that I hate, 
All of a sudden, I experienced joy that I never experienced before in a place that I hated. I experienced the joy that God has a plan for me here. God has a purpose for me here. And if only I would embrace that, then I can experience his joy and peace even in the middle of a place I hate. And so God knows. God absolutely knows. And you might say, God, why am I here? What am I, why am I here in this family? Why am I here in this neighborhood? Why am I here in this job? Because before was before was before. I made you the way I made you so that you can experience the joy of doing what I've called you to do, which is to be a light in a dark place, which is to share the hope of Jesus that I've given you. Now give it to them. And there's no greater joy than that. And so God absolutely knows when we are forced, we're in a place we hate, and he has a plan for us. He hasn't forgotten you. And look what he says. He says, he says to go the second mile or, or go the extra mile, as we might call it. And so what that means is do all that you can do to share the, the, the peace of Christ with that person. Do all that you can do. Go that extra mile. Don't do the minimum. And it's like in churches, for some reason, we always say stuff like, well, you know, if, if one person gets saved, I guess it's worth it. However, we say that, and then you go to work, and you're working for a boss who's not a believer, and you won't stay late because I've got to get to my kid's game, or I've, there's, there's something on television I've got to watch. I've got rights, and I'm not going to stay late for them. Do whatever you have to do to share with them the hope of Jesus. Do whatever you have to do to share with them the love of Jesus. Verse 42. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. So you might say, okay, I'm not stupid. I get this one. So if someone asks me for something, give it to them, right? Yes. But can I take it one step further? Because of the context we're reading here and the context we're reading what Jesus is saying, I think what he's saying here is even those who are attempting to take advantage of you, don't turn them away. And you might say, what? All right, let me give you a couple examples. One, you know, like someone who's literally like begging from you and they're lying to you, trying to take advantage of you. Like I was one time, I was at the church by myself and this guy came up at Arlington. This guy came up and he was like, sir, 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 sir. And when they say sir more than two times, yeah, they're lying. So anyway, so he says, sir, 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 sir. And he gives me this super long story about his mom and needing oil and all this other stuff. And, and, and so basically, you know, he was, he was asking for money. Or maybe some of you have those people in your life, you know, maybe family members who constantly come to you asking for money. You know, please help me out here. Help me out. I'll pay you back. And you know they never will. What Jesus says here is don't turn them away. And the thing is, oh, no one makes me more upset than those people. No one makes me more upset than someone who will sit there and lie to you and just say, because if someone would just come up to me and say, I need $10, I would say, okay, ask my wife. I don't have it. But no, I would say, yeah, here you go, right? Like if someone would just tell me, look, I'm having a tough time right now and I don't have a good reason for it. I'm up to debt in my eyeballs and that's my fault, but they really are going to turn my lights off. I'm not going to tell you a story. Here's the reality. I really need help. Or, you know, I really need someone who, to just give a rip about me. Then I would. But what makes me so angry is people that come up to me and think I'm stupid. And say, you know what, uh, I, I need a fan belt and, uh, on my car, and, and I need that. Oh, because what do you want to do? You want to give them what they deserve, right? You want to give them what they deserve, which is what? Nothing. Or maybe, you know, go to security and say, hey, get this person out of here, all right? They're, they're panhandling, right? Like, get them out of here. But here's the reality, and here's why Jesus is telling us to be generous to them. Because the reality is, yeah, they deserve nothing, but so do you. We deserve nothing. We have the grace of God. 
We see in Romans 5, 8, but God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still hating Christ, while we were still cursing Christ, he still died for us. We deserve nothing, but we have the favor of God. How can we deny anyone? Oh my goodness, Matthew 5, 7, blessed are the merciful for they will receive mercy. How good has God been to you? How can you deny that goodness to other people? We deserve nothing. And you might say, am I supposed to give without discernment? Like, I'm supposed to just be like, here, take it, go ahead. You know, no, I don't think he's saying that at all. Look at, look at what Jesus says. He says, give to the one, do not refuse the one. He didn't say, give them whatever they want. He just says simply, don't refuse them. There can be discernment and grace. And what I mean by that, give you that example of that guy that came up to me in the church and was like, give me cash, basically, because my oil and all these other things... I spent that time with him, and, and I told him about the love of Jesus, and, and then I said, hey, you know, I'll, I'll go with, AutoZone's right there, I'll go with you, and I'll, I'll buy you what, whatever you need. You know, and so I didn't have to hand him cash, and of course he didn't want to go to AutoZone with me. But uh, also, like, you know, um, there was a man who came up to the church recently and, and, and talked to us and, and needed, needed some gas in his car, and, you know, I, I don't know the whole situation with him, but we just took him, took him down to the gas pump and filled up his tank and got to talk to him about Jesus. So, yeah, absolutely use discernment, but there's also grace. Do not deny the one. And so let me ask you a question. Um, even if, even if they come back and continue to try to scam you, what do you do? Do not turn them away. That $30 that I spent on, on gas, that whatever I was willing to spend on that oil or whatever that guy needed, would you pay 30 bucks to tell someone about Jesus? I would. That's kind of worth it, you know? And so really, what's, what's more valuable to you? What's more important, not being taken advantage of or sharing the love of Jesus? Always err on the side of sharing the love of Jesus and being taken advantage of. What's more important to you? And so um, the underlying point of retaliation as we sum up today is that we believe that we're giving people what they deserve. That's what retaliation is about. No one says like, like no one gets wrong. Like no one says like, yeah, I heard so-and-so was talking about me. Uh, now I'm, I'm going to go, uh, you know, I'm going to go burn down their house now. No, like we normally, we retaliate what we think they deserve, right? We don't try to go over the top, right? For most people, there are crazy people out there. But for most people, we give them what we think they deserve. But if we keep it in perspective here, and we keep it in perspective that here's really, really super good news for all of us. We don't get what we deserve. The Bible tells us that our sin deserves death. We deserve to be separated from God forever. But through the grace of Christ, he's made peace for us. That scripture that we read earlier, Colossians 1, 19 through 20. Do you see that? By making peace by the blood of his cross. He made peace for us. That's the great news today. And I want to tell you, if you're in this room, you've never heard that before. Or maybe you didn't know where you stood with God. Maybe you didn't know if you had a relationship with him. He's made peace for you. If you'll just follow him, rely on him, he's made peace for you. And so the reality is we haven't gotten what we deserve. And so retaliation, the idea of retaliation is absurd in a believer's mind. It's absurd to even think of retaliation when we haven't gotten what we deserve. And so as Christ has made peace for us, now our call is what? To go and make peace with others. To spread the peace of Christ. Blessed are the peacemakers. So they will be called sons of God. And so I want to say as we close here today, if you're a follower of Christ, then you've experienced the peace of God. 
God's made peace for you in your life, and he continues to as you follow him. Following him, again, following the laws of Christ is what? For your joy, not your begrudging submission. And so as we follow him, he continues to make peace in our relationships and in our life. And we know that as we stand before him, we say, not what I've done, but what you have done. And I have peace with you now because of the blood of Jesus. And so what we've been called to do is to not deny that peace to anyone. Go out and be a peacemaker. Don't retaliate. Retaliation shouldn't be in your vocabulary because it is so absurd as those who have not received what they deserve but instead received the riches of Christ to go out and to try to give someone what we think they deserve. Don't judge unless you be judged. And so if you're in this room though, there's another category of people. Maybe some of you came in this room and as the band come on, comes back up, maybe there's another group of people in this room that you know you, um, maybe you came in this place and you said, I don't know where I stand with God. You know, I don't know. Like, I, I think I'm a good person. Maybe, I, you know, I don't know. I, I, I haven't killed anybody. You know, maybe, I, I don't know. Maybe I'm good enough. Maybe, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if he's happy with me or not. And some of you might have come in this room and you might have said, um, I know where I stand with God. I don't. You know, like I don't have a relationship with him. I don't follow him. I think about him on Easter and Mother's Day and Christmas. You know, like I, I know I don't have a relationship with him. I want to speak to both of you right now and tell you this. That God has made peace for you. That he's not waiting for you to make yourself right. Because what the Bible says is that your righteousness, the best that you can do. If you lived a perfect, quote unquote, life, the perfect, as perfect as a human could be, it still wouldn't be good enough for him. It still wouldn't be good enough because he's perfect. And so he's not saying, clean yourself up, do better, and then I'll love you, then I'll be happy with you, then I'll have a relationship with you. He's saying, you come just as you are because I made peace for you. I know you weren't good enough. I know you've, you've been messed up. I know that, that, that in your life you haven't been perfect, but I'm perfect. And so I've made peace for you. And so maybe for the first time in your life today, you'll choose to know that peace. You'll choose to follow that God who loves you and made peace for you. Today, all you have to do is to say, God, your way is better. I want to live your way. I want to trust you. I don't want to continue to live this life of purposelessness. I don't want to continue this life just for myself. I'm going to live for you now. If you do that, if you surrender to him today, what the Bible says is because is that you become a child of God. What the Bible says is that the old you, it's gone. Not, not even a memory in God's mind. Do you, do you get that? Your sin, the, the part of you that's messed up, gone. You can walk out of here free. You can walk out of here at peace. Because you know that when God looks at you, he doesn't see sin. He doesn't see someone who's messed up. You know what he sees? His child. And God loves his kids. So today, as we sing this song, for those of you in here, maybe believers, maybe you've been people who um, are seeking retaliation, maybe you've been a person who's denied peace to others, maybe you need to use these steps as an altar and come and surrender to Christ and say, God, I've been wrong. I've been selfish. I've been holding your peace back from others. God, may I be a person who cares more about spreading your fame and cares more about your rights than mine. I've been crucified with Christ. I no longer live. Christ lives in me. So maybe some of you need to come, come today and, and, and just spend this time praying um, about that. And, and if you want to come pray with me or Brother John or whoever else is wandering up here, please do. 
but also for those of you in this room who don't know where you stand with God, maybe you don't even know why you're here. The reality is the peace of God, the love of Christ, the forgiveness of Christ, it's waiting for you. You can be a child of God today. And when you walk out of this door, know that you will always be, that he's made peace for you. Just come accept it. Plain and simple. Come and say, God, your way. I'm going I'm to live your way now, not mine. I'm going to accept what you've done for me. I'm going to stop trying to do better and to be better and to do good because you can't. He's done it for you. Just come accept it. Come enjoy it. Come enjoy the peace of God. If that's you, come forward. Come talk to us. Come talk to us today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your peace. That God, we are helpless. We are hopeless in our sin. And God, you said, no, I'm not gonna leave them that way. I'm gonna make peace for them. God, for those of us in this room who are followers of Jesus, we do have a relationship with you, but we've been living so selfishly. We've been living lives uh, about ourselves and, and lives about our rights that we think we have. And we've been sacrificing your, your message. We've been sacrificing telling others about your love for our comfort. God, would you change our hearts today? God, would you bring us to our knees? Would you make us people of peace that go and proclaim your peace at all costs? And God, for those in this room who don't know you, Maybe they've been in church their whole life. Maybe they come every now and then. Maybe they say, yeah, I believe in Jesus. But God, they don't really know you. They don't have a relationship with you. They don't, they don't spend time with you. They haven't said, yeah, your way, not mine anymore. But God, would you let them know that you're not angry with them? You're not waiting to, to smite them. You're not waiting to punish them. But instead, you've got a hand outstretched to them saying, I've made peace for you. And I love you. So come to me. God, would you, would you bring them forward? Would you bring those people that, that need to live that new life in you? Would you bring them forward? God, we love you. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name. Would you stand with us as we sing? And if you need to come forward, you come forward.